listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you'd like to discuss today's readings, head on over to the Facebook group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. And now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 124. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 22, Paragraphs 275 to 282. 275. At the request of his mother, the queen received in her arms the newborn child and offered him as a new oblation to the Eternal Father and His Majesty. Well pleased, accepted it as the first fruits of the Incarnation and of the Divine Decrees. The Most Blessed Child, full of the Holy Ghost, acknowledged his Sovereign Queen, showing her not only interior but outward reverence by a secret inclination of his head. And again he adored the divine word which was manifested to him in her womb by a special light. And as he also was aware that he was privileged before all men, the grateful child performed acts of fervent thanksgiving, humility, love, and reverence of God and of his virgin mother. The heavenly queen, in offering him to the eternal father, pronounced this prayer for him, Highest Lord and Father, all holy and powerful, accept in thy honor this offering and seasonable fruit of thy most holy Son and my Lord. He is sanctified by the only begotten, and rescued from the effects of sin and from the power of thy ancient enemies. Receive this morning's sacrifice, and infuse into this child the blessings of thy Holy Spirit, in order that he may be a faithful minister to thee, and to thy only begotten. This prayer of our Queen was efficacious in all respects, and she perceives now the Lord enriched this child, chosen as his precursor, and she also felt within herself the effects of these admirable blessings. 276. While the Queen of the Universe held the infant in her arms, she was for a short time secretly wrapped in sweetest ecstasy. During it, she offered up this prayer for the child, Holding it close to the same breast where the only begotten of the Eternal and her own was soon to rest. This was the singular prerogative of the great precursor granted to none among the saints. Therefore, it is not surprising that the angel called him great in the eyes of the Lord, for before he was born, the Lord visited and sanctified him, and being born, he was placed on the throne of grace. He was embraced by the arms which were to enfold the incarnate Word of God and thereby excited in the sweetest mother of God the entrancing desire of holding within them the Son of the Most High, 
filling her with delightful affections for his precursor, the newborn child. St. Elizabeth, being divinely informed of these sacraments, beheld her wonderful child in the arms of her, who was his mother, in a more exalted sense than she herself, she being his mother only, as to his natural being, while Most Holy Mary held that position as to his existence in the order of grace. All this caused a most sweet tie of affection between the most blessed woman and in the child who likewise was enlightened in regard to these mysteries. By the motions of his tender body, he manifested the joy of his spirit, clinging to the heavenly lady and seeking to attract her caresses and to remain with her. The sweetest lady fondled him, but with such majestic moderation that she did not kiss him, as his age would have permitted. For she preserved her most chaste lips intact for her most holy son. Nor did she look intently into his face, directing all her intention to the holiness of his soul. So great was the prudence and modesty of the great queen of heaven in the use of her eyes, that she would scarcely have known him by sight. 277. When the birth of John became known, all the relations and acquaintances, as St. Luke says, gathered to congratulate St. Zachariah and Elizabeth, for his house was rich, noble, and honored in the whole province, and their piety attracted the hearts of all that knew them, having known them so many years without children, and being aware of the sterility and advanced age of Elizabeth, all were stirred to amazement and joyful wonder. And they looked upon the birth of the child rather as a miracle than as a natural event. The holy priest Zacharias remained mute and unable to manifest his joy by word of mouth, for the hour of his miraculous cure had not arrived. But freed of his incredulity, he showed his joy in other ways, and he was full of affectionate gratitude and praise for the rare blessing, which he now witnessed with his open eyes. His behavior we shall describe in the next chapter. 278. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. My dearest daughter, do not be surprised that my servant John feared and hesitated to come into the world. Life can never be loved by the ignorant devotee of the world in the same degree as the wise. In divine science, abhor and fear its dangers. This science was eminently possessed by the precursor of the Most Holy Son. Hence, knowing of the loss which threatened, he feared the risk. But since he that knows and dreads the treacherous seas of this world sails so much the more securely over the unfathomed depths, it served him in good stead. For entering securely into the world, the fortunate child began his career with such disgust and abhorrence of all earthly things that his horror never abated. He made no peace with the flesh, Mark six seventeen. nor partook of its poison, nor allowed vanity to enter his senses, nor obstruct his eyes. In abhorrence of the world and of worldly things, he gave his life for justice. The citizen of the true Jerusalem cannot be in peace or in alliance with Babylon, nor is it possible to enjoy at the same time the grace of the Most High and the friendship of his declared enemies. For no one can serve two hostile masters, nor can light and darkness, Christ and Belelo, harmonize. Matthew 4.4. 4. 2.79. Guard thyself, my dearest, against those living in darkness, and the lovers of the world more than against fire. For the wisdom of the sons of the world is carnal and diabolical, and their ways lead to death. In order to walk the truth, even at the cost of the natural life, it is necessary to preserve the peace of the soul. 
three dwelling places I point out for thee to live in, from which thou must never intentionally come forth. If at any time the Lord should bid thee to relieve the necessities of thy fellow creatures, I desire that thou do not lose this refuge. Act as one who lives in a castle surrounded by enemies, and who, perchance, must go to the great to transact necessary business. He acts with such wariness that he will pay more attention to safeguard his retreat and shield himself than to transact business with others, being always on the watch and on guard against danger. So must thou live if thou wishest to live securely, for doubt not that enemies more cruel and poisonous than asps and basilisks surrounded thee. 280. The habitation shall be the divinity of the Most High, the humanity of my Most Holy Son, and thy own interior. In the divinity thou must live like the pearl in its shell, or like the fish in the sea, allowing thy desires and affections to roam in its infinite spaces. The Most Holy Humanity shall be the wall which defends thee, and his bosom shall be the place of thy rest, and under his wings shalt thou find refreshment. Psalm 16.8 Thy own interior shall afford thee peaceful delight through the testimony of a good conscience. Corinthians 2.12 And it will, if thou keep it pure, familiarize thee with the sweet and friendly intercourse of thy spouse. In order that thou mayst be aided therein by the retirement of the body, I desire that thou remain secluded in thy choir or in thy cell, leaving it only when obedience or charity make it inevitable. I will tell thee a secret. There are demons whom Lucifer has expressly ordered to watch for the religious who come forth from the retirement in order to beset them and engage them in battle and cause their fall. The demons do not easily go into the cells because there they do not find the occasions afforded by conversations and the use of the senses wherein they ordinarily capture and devour their prey like ravenous wolves. They are tormented by the retirement and recollection of religious knowing that they are foiled in their attempts as long as they cannot entice them into human discourse. 281. It is also certain that ordinarily the demons have no power over souls unless they gain entrance by some venial or mortal fault. Mortal sin gives them a sort of direct right over those who commit it, while venial sin weakens the strength of the soul and invites their attacks. Imperfections diminish the merit and the progress of virtue and encourage the enemy. Whenever the astute serpent notices that the soul bears with its own levity and forgets about its danger, it blinds it and seeks to instill its deadly poison. The enemy then entices the soul like a little heedless bird until it falls into one of the many snares from which there seemed to be no escape. 282. Admire then, my daughter, what thou hast learned by divine enlightenment, and weep in deepest sorrow over the ruin of so many souls absorbed in such dangerous tepidity. They live in the obscurity of their passions and depraved inclinations, forgetful of the danger and moved by their losses and heedless of their dealings. Instead of fearing and avoiding the occasions of evil, they encounter and seek for them in blind ignorance. In senseless fury, they follow their pleasures, place no restraint on their passionate desires, and care not where they walk, even if to the most dangerous precipices. They are surrounded by innumerable enemies who pursue them with diabolical treachery, unceasing vigilance, unquenchable wrath, and restless diligence. What wonder, then, that from such extremes, or rather from such unequal combat, irreparable defects should arise among the mortals, and that since the number of fools is infinite, the number of the reprobate should also be uncountable, 
that the demon should be inflated by his triumphs and the perdition of so many men. May the eternal God preserve thee from such a misfortune, and do thou weep and deplore that of thy brethren, continually asking for their salvation, as is possible. This concludes our reading today for day number 124. Today we read from chapter 22 of volume 2, book 3. We read paragraphs 275 to 282. We hear of the birth of St. John the Baptist today, and we hear how Elizabeth and Zechariah invite the Blessed Mother to take the child into her arms. And Mary offers the child as an oblation to Almighty God, that she offers a prayer. Just imagine Mary taking all of us and offering us to the Father, just as she is offering John the Baptist. And she had that very beautiful prayer that she recited, that she prayed for this child. This is something that's fairly common, I would say, especially among devout families, that at the baptism of a child, they'll present the child to the Blessed Mother. They'll take her to the altar of Our Lady and entrust that child to Mary's intercession and protection. Mother Angelica was offered to Our Lady of Sorrows at her altar in that parish church where she was baptized. Fulton Sheen offered to Our Lady. All of these different saints, holy men and women, they were entrusted from that early on to the Blessed Mother. And in handing over John to Mary, John the Baptist, into the arms of the Blessed Mother, well, this is sort of an entrustment of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah, who have experienced so many different profound moments with the Blessed Mother living in their house, Now saying, take our child, say a prayer, because we know you spend so much time in prayer to God, because we know that John already knows the child in your womb who is our Lord and our Savior. And then we heard something very interesting from Maria Vagrida. During it, she offered up the prayer for the child, holding it close to the same breast where the only begotten of the eternal and her own was soon to rest. This was the singular prerogative of the great precursor, granted to none among the saints. Probably a true statement, although I do think of the lactation of the Blessed Virgin, in which St. Bernard actually uh, receives the milk of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And there's some symbolism there in that reception of that milk, that Mary is feeding this child of hers nourishing his soul, etc. And so I would say that there are probably a few others, not many though, for sure, that have experienced some sort of mystical experience, similar to how Mary holds John the Baptist. About John the Baptist, we heard again, the fortunate child began his career with such disgust and abhorrence of all earthly things that his horror never abated. Just remember what we learn about St. John the Baptist, that he was wearing camel hair, that he was eating locusts and honey in the desert. And so he is one who shunned all of these worldly things, wanting to live a more ascetical life. Thinking about John the Baptist, maybe it encourages us just to choose in some small way a little bit of asceticism in our life. 
a little renouncement of earthly pleasure and the things of this world. St. John the Baptist is a great reminder of that for all of us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.